Welcome to the Mad Max Minute. This is a barren wasteland riddled with fire, ash, and dust. The very air you breathe is a poisonous fume in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 88, which begins with Iron Bar abandoning the Kalamazoo, and it ends with a fireball engulfing the train. Joining us this week on our journey there and back again are Cassandra Fredrickson and Norman Mitchell from the Lord of the Rings Minute. Hi. Hello. Great to be here. Hey, you too. Thank you for joining us once again, coming over from your New Zealand fantasy land to the harsh and metal-filled world of Australia. Right. It's just a short <laughs> hop across some water. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I am glad that we got to have you on for a week of minutes that's a bit more exciting than the last time we had you on. For Road Warrior, you came in right as the rig overturned and was just leaking dirt onto the side of the road, and it was very uh, quiet. Mm -hmm. We got to see the gyrocopter crash. That's good. That was pretty exciting. But this week is packed full of excitement mm -hmm. and ridiculousness might i add yes i noticed that when we were watching the minutes earlier <laughs> especially today's minute which seems to be i guess it's the iron bar show today yeah everybody gets their 60 seconds in the sun <laughs> and today it's iron bars when we left him on friday he was waving for backup someone to come maybe provide him something with an engine instead of pumping away with his arms and at the top of this minute we get three vehicles that show up to help him out a truck a motorcycle and something that's a bit more car sized with a harpoon gun on it mm -hmm. do you think the harpoon gun vehicle was the one he was really aiming for or do you think he was hopping along until he found one that suited him oh well if you can have a harpoon gun you have a harpoon gun always yeah. choose harpoon <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this first truck that Iron Bar leaps onto is a custom-built vehicle for the movie, just like many other vehicles in this movie. But according to the vehicles page on MadMaxMovies.com, this one is called the Andamooka Buggy because it was last seen intact around 1995 in Andamooka. <laughs> no other information about it, just this is what we call it because this is where we last saw it. That's and funny. no one knows what happened after that. Was there a time frame for when it was last seen? Yeah, 1995. Okay, well, I didn't hear you say it, so that's why I <laughs> clarified. It's just in someone's garage in Australia. Oh, yeah. probably. Probably. Either that or it's rusted down to a pile on the side of the road. We lost track of it when we were filming. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, what's with the mask on this guy's back? Yeah. Oh, Iron Bar's Kabuki mask. Yeah. We don't really know why it's there. Just It just is. And it is as indestructible as Iron Bar himself is. <laughs> Apparently. It sticks around till the very end, I think. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's a the portrait of Dorian Gray situation where Iron Bar and the mask share an invincibility? <laughs> he, he can never look the mask in the eyes or he'll die. Right. <laughs> so he just keeps it above his head out of sight. Ooh, that's genius. I can imagine a Dorian Gray type scenario where his own immortality is wrapped up in the existence or destruction of the mask. So what you're saying is Iron Bar is Lord Sauron. That's his ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. To it is bound all of his malice. <laughs> If you have an object that is so tied to your own life or death, do you keep it with you at all times or do you put it somewhere safe? Or do you make seven copies of it and spread it throughout the world? Right. <laughs> oh, wait, Gary and Victoria aren't here to match that. Okay, never mind. <laughs> 
I would just bury it. Right. In the barren wasteland like this, just bury it in the middle of nowhere. It's Good just, luck finding it. You'll that. never find it again. No one else will ever find it. Uh, where is it? Uh, it's next to that rock. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, walk like 15 miles that way and it's next to a rock. But the drawback of that is when you've been alive for a thousand years and you want nothing more but to end this futile existence, you don't know where your mask is so that you can go and destroy it yourself. Well, you got plenty of time to find it. <laughs> yes, you do. You just wander in the wasteland with a shovel. <laughs> so you end up being a Mad Max type character where he has gone insane for a very different reason, but he has gone insane and is just wandering around the wasteland. Yep. Looking for something that just isn't there. That's something so that he's lost, but it's been so long he can't even tell you what it is anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's sad. He's sitting, that is sad. He's sitting in a cave trying to draw up posters, missing, reward one jug of water, and then he doesn't know what to draw in the middle of the posters <laughs> that people know what they're looking for. It's just a face and people think he's looking for a person. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poor Iron Bar. <laughs> that makes him a very sympathetic character. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I noticed about Iron Bar in this opening sequence of him jumping from vehicle to vehicle is that he joins the club of bad guys who make it a habit of leaping from one moving thing to another moving thing because this is the exact same move that we saw Wes do back in Road Warrior, jumping from the Humongous's vehicle over to the Red Snake truck so that he could get on their four-arrow turret thing. It's just this time around, instead of having your actor leap from one car to another car, you have your actor go from a train car to a truck to a motorcycle to another car. They upped the ante and did it almost entirely in one continuous shot. Mm. The stun work is impressive. He does it so quickly. It's almost... He's like a monkey. Yeah. It's almost like just stepping from one to the other to the other. Mm. Like stepping stones across a stream. He rolls up next to this train and this guy in the in the seat is, hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I love that in the past we've seen tires as a weakness to big vehicles. Like back in Road Warrior, they were constantly driving up and down the rig, popping tires. And here is Iron Bar with this harpoon car and he can't shoot out any of the wheels because they're made of iron. Because it's a train, yeah. Yeah. So he gets up to the cab and he turns, sees who's driving, and then shouts with just such jubilation, Ah, pig killer! <laughs> okay, I have a question about this. Is pig killer so notorious that Ironbar would know him by name? He must be. His name is shouted. <laughs> when your name it is burned into your chest. Okay, so second question. Is attempting to kill a pig, or actually killing a pig, such a unique crime <laughs> in this pig-filled society that there's only one person with a brand pig killer? He, he killed someone else's very important pig, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that he received the brand because it was somebody's personal pig? <laughs> it was like, well, no, it was like someone Some hiring, <laughs> someone like hiring station him. He killed somebody's pig. It wasn't his pig. You don't get labeled pig killer in a negative context for killing your own pig. That pig belonged to somebody else. This is like a horse thief. He's a pig killer. <laughs> oh my God. That's food. That's important. <laughs> It is. It seems like being 
branded a pig killer would be a relatively common crime. With so many pigs, Maybe. wouldn't a lot of people try and steal pigs for food and be therefore be branded? Maybe it was someone who only had like two pigs and one was a sow and he like killed the sow. So then that guy can't make more pigs. <laughs> yeah, so maybe there was something special about the pig that he killed. He killed Babe. That's really what we're getting at. Yeah. <laughs> it's Wilbur. Or Wilbur. <laughs> he killed a talking pig. <laughs> Is that the secret? Bartertown used to have a bunch of sheep, but Pig Killer killed Babe, so there were no <laughs> pigs to keep the sheep in line, and so all the sheep left. Well, considering that George Miller also wrote Babe, Pig in the City, he has the right to retcon the whole thing to be in the same universe. That's well, there so you go. Funny. So, yes. Maybe Pig Killer is just like their last name. It's like the descendant of the person who murdered Babe. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like their whole family is branded Pig Killer. <laughs> oh, no. For generations. That's horrible. I am more than willing to accept that Pig Killer just killed a pig. That there was nothing special <laughs> about it and that this brand of pig killer is not an uncommon thing. And there are multiple people in Underworld branded pig killer and they all get the same name. Okay, you which know. is exactly what I think is going on. Yeah. Well, then back to my first question. Why does Iron Bar know this particular person by name? Like is a pig killer. Like that implies that it's a unique thing. Yeah. Well, remember back in Underworld, Iron Bar had his gun and he was about to shoot Pig Killer. And Pig Killer said, wait. And then he did his little buckaroo bonsai across the eighth dimension quote. <laughs> and then Master dropped the feed shoe. Whoa, 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 whoa. There was a buckaroo bonsai quote in this movie? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a movies by minutes I'm surprised someone isn't doing. Yeah, they are. Oh, are they? Yeah. Oh, man. It's, they actually finished it. Oh, they did five, five minutes, minutes at a time. Oh, they did five minutes at a time? Mm-hmm. I gotta find that and listen to it. I love that movie. <laughs> there was a Buckaroo Banzai quote. Yeah. Iron Bar was about to shoot someone, and Pig Killer raised his finger. He said, wait, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. And then <laughs> Master pulled a lever, a feed chute came down on Iron Bar's face, and just laid him out flat. So, of course... Iron Bar, seeing this guy behind the wheel of the generator train thing, would say, oh, hey, person who dropped a feed shoot on my face, maybe <laughs> not personally, but tangentially. Okay, so he knows him because he has recently had interaction with him. Yes. It's like, hey, you're that douchebag. Yeah, and he identifies him from that incident. Okay, that clears that up for me. Thank yeah. you. No, he, j he just killed someone's pig, and that guy was particularly cruel and branded him pig killer. <laughs> right. That's the other possibility, is that it just someone that's just really cruel did it. And it's not like a con it might be a common crime, but just this, this one guy just had enough of people killing his pigs and branded this one guy <laughs> pig killer, hoping that no one else would ever kill one of his pigs after he branded this guy. <laughs> As Iron Bar is pulling up next to the cab of the train and saying, ah, pig killer, we get a good look at the train from the side. And underneath the cabin is a platform that is surrounded by a picket fence. I noticed that. There's like a little house and then a little <laughs> picket fence underneath it. Yes. Well, yeah. Do you think pigs live in that little picket fence pen? That would make sense. That's so funny. It could just be master's yard. It is really short. You know, part of homeownership is having land. And so... <laughs> this is my land. I'm going to build a picket fence to protect it. 
Yeah. <laughs> Get a guard dog. Master has his house and he has his yard. He's got <laughs> the whole homeowner experience underground on the back of a train. <laughs> Okay. It's not the okay. ultimate mobile home, but he's trying. I don't know. It's a train. It's pretty close. <laughs> so I have a question about this harpoon. Oh, so do I. But I want to hear yours first. <laughs> I have a question about pain tolerance. Yeah. So <laughs> this harpoon hits the door of the cabin, but it gets stuck. And then we look down and we see Pig Killer's leg and it is like clean through. So mm -hmm. were there multiple harpoons? Is it just really bad editing? I have a lot of questions. <laughs> oh, this is a classic example of Beyond Thundernome shenanigans. Let's start a few shots back here. Ahem. <laughs> so Iron Bar launches the harpoon from the turret at about 25 seconds even. That's when that shot starts. Mm -hmm. 12 frames later, we see the shot where the harpoon pierces the door. Now that shot's only for about 11 frames, but if you pause it just right, you can see that the broad head of the harpoon does not fully penetrate the door. Right. It gets stuck. So at 25 seconds and 23 frames, yeah. Pig Killer, Kusha, and Tubba shift their focus to look down at the spot where the harpoon hit the truck. And at 26 seconds, 20 frames, we see this last shot where the harpoon is shown to have gone completely through the door and Pig Killer's leg. <laughs> What bothers me, more so than the fact that we saw the harpoon stick in the door and not go all the way through, but what really bothers me is that there is a hole in Pig Killer's leg with the harpoon sticking out of it, and the barbs on that harpoon head are clean are really wide yeah free of blood there's a hole in his pant leg and the outer leg wrap covering thing that hole is way too small <laughs> For those barbs to have gone through. <laughs> also, on the right side of his leg, you cannot see the rest of the harpoon. Yeah, there's no... That's so There's funny. nothing connecting the other side of his leg to the door. <laughs> like, you can see some semblance of a round shaft coming out the other side, but it's not like it's punching through a hole in the door. Right. To say nothing of the fact that there are some pretty important things in your leg right around there, typically your femoral artery and femoral vein, mm -hmm. taking all that blood down to your legs, which that harpoon definitely would have slashed those two things. There should be blood everywhere. I think there's a very tiny chance it did not. <laughs> but like, okay, I understand this is a PG-13 movie. We can't have a whole lot of blood, but like, uh, come uh, on, you guys. Can get a, this was, okay. Oh, this is like This pre is the 80s. Okay. <laughs> so like, was this actually rated PG-13 or was this PG when it came out? Oh, this was PG-13. What was the first PG-13 movie? Because uh, there is there is a Jones. movie that created the rating. I think it's Indiana Jones. Is it? I think so. I, I can't remember. That sounds right. That 80s PG, you can get away with a lot. Yeah. There's some nudity in some 80s PGs. Because it's post-Gremlins. Gremlins, I think, is the one that created PG-13. Well, no, it's after Gremlins, because the microwave. And people were like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think Gremlins is the reason the rating exists, right. but I don't remember what the first movie to get it is. Because Gremlins is a PG. Because, you know, the marketing for Gremlins made people think it was a cute Christmas movie. Before 1984, there was no PG-13. It went straight from PG to R. Mm -hmm. In 1984, with the release of the movie Red Dawn... Oh, the PG-13 okay. started. So Red Dawn's the first PG-13 movie? Yep. That makes sense to me. And the thing that made everybody so outraged at there not being a middle mark between PG and R was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, okay. See, I had that. The, the heart Backwards. pull yes. and all the like weird gore at the dinners and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
the monkey brains and all that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> it really does. I think I'd always thought that Gremlins was the reason that yeah, PG-13 I exists. I heard that Gremlins was, but... Yeah, because it's an urban Spielberg. myth. <laughs> just, a, just a film legend. Did George Hendricks tell you that Gremlins was the one that did it? No, I think I'd pretty much heard that my whole life. Okay. <laughs> He's just spreading lies. <laughs> that like because of the marketing of gremlins and people outraged that it wasn't a cute happy christmas movie it's totally a cute happy christmas movie what are you talking about <laughs> like people that brought like their no, six-year-olds to gremlins right? were really upset <laughs> which i could totally see <laughs> yeah you know that that 80s pg though there's all kinds of ridiculous stuff in some 80s pg movies that nowadays would definitely get the tag as being r yeah sensibilities have definitely changed over the years Mm -hmm. but uh red dawn being the first pg-13 movie i can definitely see that Mm -hmm. but i still stand by the fact that there should be just all of the blood yeah Yeah. like his his left leg should be drenched and his right leg you know that the harpoon should be covered in blood and meat ew oh like (laughs) There should be like bits of stuff on that that it harpoon looks head. Like meat's back on the bed. <laughs> I can't yeah. even say. The it. thing that's like bothering me is that there, there's clearly no real shaft of that harpoon on the other side of his leg, like where his hand is. It looks like there's just like a little. I can't even tell if that's actually coming at him or if that's part of the door. That little rod. <laughs> Yeah. It looks like it's part of the door. Like It kind of does. Like the perspective of it looks like it's up against the door, like up and down, not pointed yeah. at him. <laughs> and like this little armor piece is just, that harpoon is just like glued to it. Yeah. The whole it. business with this harpoon is just shenanigans. Absolute shenanigans. I love it. It's awesome. Makes no sense. <laughs> I'm going to pistol well... at the next person that says shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> hey Julia, what's that restaurant you like with all the stuff on the walls? <laughs> what is that from? That's from Super Trooper. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. The correct answer was shenanigans. Okay, because I'm like, I don't know. Cracker Barrel? I don't know the answer to the question. <laughs> I know, that's a very broad, like, restaurant aesthetic. Right, like, there's like weird, like, beach-themed burger that. places that have all this crap on the walls. There's, a, there's yeah. a place in Maine called the Great Lost Bear that has all kinds of stuff on the walls. <laughs> yeah, you really can't go into any sort of sit-down restaurant these days without having the cover-the-walls-with-crap design motif. Mm-hmm. It gives you something to look at while you wait for your food. Right, animal busts with sunglasses. <laughs> oh. So, with their driver impaled apparently he doesn't scream he doesn't do anything he just looks down at it and very calmly just leans over right yeah i'm gonna duck now kusha and tubba they pull on pig killer's shoulders to i guess lean him out of the way or get him down in some fashion oh he's not going anywhere if that harpoon is through the door (laughs) oh yeah he's not gonna be leaving but he's the only one that's gonna drive that train now although do you really need to drive a train i guess they feel that he needs to be in some sort of cover yeah. Well, wait, the door wasn't good enough cover the only time that they were shot at. So why put him in a position to be covered by the door now? Right. Obviously, it's no more use than just, you know, the open window. Let's just get him into the fetal position and hope he can just open. cry himself to death, I guess. Oh, no. <laughs> well, he bleeds out from this harpoon. And having a pair of waiting ones, especially a hunter in the cabin with him, Probably best case scenario, because those two would know how to treat wounds like this. Would they, though? That is also uh, only a few inches south of something real yeah. important. 
<laughs> Which we're going to assume at least one of them understands. The other one, maybe not, but... I can't believe there's not like a Wilhelm scream or something here. Well, no, he's not falling. There wouldn't be a Wilhelm scream. I guess, scream. yeah. No, the, the original Wilhelm scream is just a guy that gets shot by an arrow in like a Western. Oh. He, yeah, right in the thigh. Yep. Oh, that's, he like that looks down on it. Then. He like looks down at the arrow and lets out that noise. Oh, that's like the original Wilhelm scream. And then Hollywood used it forever because <laughs> someone was just like, "That's really good." <laughs> that's a great scream. That really sells the panic. That's good. <laughs> What was this guy's name? He will be immortalized. <laughs> I blame it on George Lucas. <laughs> he made it popular. I don't know how many movies it's been in. I'm never, I'm not really curious. But yeah, this harpoon is ridiculous. <laughs> Have you ever heard of a podcast called 20,000 Hertz? No. no. From DeFacto Sound, you're listening to 20,000 Hertz. The stories behind the world's most recognizable and interesting sounds. I'm Dallas Taylor. It's this a podcast about, well, scream. sound, obviously, 20,000 hertz. Mm -hmm. And they did an episode all about the Wilhelm scream. Oh, nice. Oh, I gotta listen to that. <laughs> How long ago do you think that was? Oh, that was a while ago. Yeah. 20,000 hertz is essentially 99% invisible. Mm. But instead of being about generic design, they're more specifically audio-based. That's cool. Highly recommend listening to them. Yes, they're very, they're very good. good. Nice. I need to fill my days with noise because I sit around like doing things in silence a lot. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well then I can highly recommend 20,000 yeah. hertz. Like, I don't know. I build Magic the Gathering decks and just do that in <laughs> silence and I, or listen to music. But I could also be like listening learning to things. Podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they recently did a two-parter on the THX deep noise. Ooh. That was really interesting. If you want to get back on the whole blame George Lucas for something right? train. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't we all? Oh, he's Everything. been blamed enough. Yeah, like, he's, uh, <laughs> Let him rest. <laughs> you no, know, he earned that Disney money and he gets to just rest forever. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, he got punished enough. Did he, though, to the tune of, like, what, billions of dollars? Well, yeah. <laughs> You being unable to show his face in public without being ridiculed ever again? Yeah, yeah, but he's a billionaire. That's fine. He earned it. He earned it. <laughs> if I was a billionaire, I would probably never be seen in public right? again. I wouldn't have to show my face. Get plastic surgery and then you have a new face to oh, show. Mm. There you go. <laughs> or this creepy kabuki mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he gets hit by the damn train. <laughs> Speaking of creepy kabuki masks and train things, Iron Bar goes in for shot number two by reloading the harpoon gun, or at least trying to reload it. I guess the first step is to pin someone to the door, and the second step is to shoot them through the window. I would have led with shooting through the window, but maybe Iron Bar is just terrible at shooting. Well, maybe. Maybe he just figured, you know, he could move and I might miss him, but if he's sitting there, his leg must be right here. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Bars had some really good shots in this movie. He was able to hit Blaster from however far away it was from the ground to Auntie's viewing box. But here, I guess you pin, then kill, I guess. <laughs> I don't know for sure. I've never tried. Maybe he just wants Pig Killer to suffer first. <laughs> As payback for the feed shoot. I get it. Yeah. But Max is not about to let Iron Bar just shoot Pig Killer like he wants to. And so he gets in behind Iron Bar's harpoon car. And of course, Max is driving the cow car still. And he just <laughs> pedal to the metal, rams Iron Bar's car, 
and pushes him forward in such a way that the car goes in front of the train. Not a good position to be in. You're always told not to drive on the train tracks. Right? Yeah, because he just pushes one corner of the harpoon car. Mm-hmm. And just onto the tracks it goes. It's funny, we've seen Max rear-end people a lot in this series, but I don't think we've ever seen him follow up the rear-ending with a pushing maneuver. Oh, just wax people and backs off and wax them again. Yeah, but in this instance, no, it's a whole... He gets right up on there, throws iron bar off balance, and then just a slow push... Just a little nudge. ...up in front of the train. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure this buggy is going faster than it really should be. Because as soon as Max stops pushing, that train is on top of that harpoon car in, like, no time flat. Well, it got slowed down by going over the rails... That's true. Mm -hmm. And then it doesn't have the same traction on the tracks that it would on flat ground. It's all bumpy. But the train's on the rails. It doesn't slow down. <laughs> That's the way I would think of it. So I was trying to think how fast this train was going. No one's got a speedometer on anything. They don't show Exactly. There are no good ways to measure distance in this chase mm -hmm. in such a way that we could measure time and therefore determine speed. Right. There's no good like background landmarks and like knowing how far away they are. Yeah. So it could be going like 15 miles an hour. And <laughs> it's, gotta be, it's going like at least 60. Well, I was curious about the whole speed of trains thing and assuming that this thing is akin to a steam locomotive. I looked on Google and apparently the fastest steam locomotive was the A4 Mallard 462, which could reach 125 miles per hour or 201 kilometers per hour if you want to be metric about it. Wow. See, but that's like tuned and, and like well-maintained and designed for speed. Yeah. And not uh, what kind of looks like a truck that's been converted to a train. <laughs> so if these pursuers are going like 50 miles per hour you know 90 kilometers per hour and the train is going just a little bit faster than that and that's why all these vehicles are struggling to keep up mm -hmm. of course as soon as that buggy gets onto those rickety rail system surface he's not going to be able to keep up that speed and so of course he's just going to get flattened I am amazed that they had the restraint not to kill the cow car with the train because, uh -huh. because that thing is called a cow catcher. Right. I know. <laughs> that would have been perfect. There was planned a stunt involving the cow car where it would fly through the air. And I don't remember exactly why they cut it. That sounds the, amazing. That thing looks like a house slipper with wheels. <laughs> like... Like a little fuzzy slipper. Like a little velour slipper. Like, yeah. The wheels. What did we call it last week? I think we called it a redneck Batmobile. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. The, the, belongs amazing. to Cowman. Cowman. It's like, what's your superpower? Um, uh, kind of just stand out in this field and <laughs> I can sleep standing up. I'm real heavy. <laughs> That's so I love how crazy the explosion is. It's not like crazy, but a vehicle that size, I don't feel like has enough gasoline to cause that much flame. There's just so much of it. <laughs> Cars do not explode like that. Not normally. <laughs> no. No. Extenuating circumstances are required to create a fireball like that from a car crash. Yeah. Yeah. What stands out to me about this situation is the fact that Iron Bar is on the back of this car. It's pushed up onto the rails. The train quickly advances and the last possible moment, Iron Bar jumps from the back of the harpoon car towards the train. He would be dead. And I think what he's trying to do is jump high enough that he gets onto the bonnet, the hood, mm -hmm. 
and rolls towards the windshield away from the explosion, but he doesn't do it because in the split second before the car explodes in front of that train, you can see that they've put iron bar right on the nose of that truck. Mm -hmm. And then this car, which has been converted from gasoline to methane, just blows up with the most spectacular fireball, which I can only assume is because of the methane. See, now that, the methane, that might cause a much bigger explosion Yeah. than the gasoline. Okay. Because methane is pure gas. Yeah. Whatever these underworld guys are using to store their methane, though, it's not enough. <laughs> no, no, not secure enough. Not nearly, because I don't feel like it's really all that much. Is provocation the right word I want to use? There's not a whole lot of encouragement that this car needs in order to go full-on supernova. Mm -hmm. Someone just needs to look at it holding a match. <laughs> it's just ready to blow. Mm -hmm. Ready and willing. With this explosion, we say goodbye to Iron Bar for the fourth time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just a recap for everybody listening at home. He died the first time when he was thrown off of Auntie's penthouse and then survived. He apparently died the second time by being bludgeoned in the face by a feed chute, but he survived. There was also the third time where he drowned in a giant vat of feces, even though he didn't. Oh, God. Ah, uh, a la Biff. And then, of course, here, where he <laughs> got exploded. Got exploded? Yeah, he took that explosion right to the chin. <laughs> like a man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's that kabuki mask. It really is. <laughs> Like, what we don't see is it open its mouth and breathe in all the fire to get rid of it. <laughs> so that's oh how he gosh. survives. Mm. And then it belches. <laughs> of course. So despite the fact that there are so many flames and the fireball is so huge, the train keeps a rolling all night long. It might as well be driven by Steve Tyler. Sorry, <laughs> Steven Tyler. <laughs> I don't want to seem too familiar with the rock star. <laughs> Mr. Tyler. <laughs> Speaking of people with the last name of Tyler, <laughs> as we mentioned at the top of this minute, you two are from the Lord of the Rings minute featuring Liv Tyler. Yes. <laughs> Where can people find more of that? People can find more of that on um, DuelingGenre.com or LordOfTheRingsMinute.com. We're on Twitter at L-O-T-R Minute, and we have a Facebook page if you are on Facebook. And yeah. All right. So we'll put a pin in the situation here. Like I said. The train just keeps on going. We're <laughs> heading off towards the horizon, but all is not super well off the train because Max is going to start getting a taste of his own medicine from Auntie's guards. They're going to start pushing him around. And then we get to see what happens when Auntie and her guards get a chance to uh, get on the train here. So that'll be Wednesday. Exciting. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. And our outro music is We Don't Need Another Hero by MilitiaVox of MilitiaVox.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com where you can check out our Tee Public storefront by clicking the store link join our patreon by clicking the support link or make a one-time donation by clicking the donate link thank you for joining us for minute 88 of beyond thunderdome we'll see you next time Everybody say